0: side hustle show 79 getting started in real estate investing for less than 100 bucks welcome to the side hustle show where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality because your nine to five may make you a living but your five to nine makes you alive and now your host nick loper Hey everybody, Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. This is episode seventy nine getting started in real estate investing for less than a $100. My guest is Jay Massey, a, uh, a been there, done that real estate investor. And we're going to talk about how he got his start in just 10 hours a week, risking none of his own assets, which it actually sounds like were pretty much non-existent at the time. Uh, as is per the usual, all my notes and highlights along with my guest's top tips are in a free downloadable PDF for you at sidehustlenation.com slash seventy nine or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. News and updates before we get into it, uh, Bryn and I Bryn and I are off to Spain in Portugal uh, for a couple weeks uh, of playing tourist and digital nomad and uh, and unleashing my gringo Spanish on the unsuspecting locals which I know is not going to get me too far in um, in Barcelona where I guess they speak Catalan a, uh, a different dialect and uh, definitely not in Portugal where they don't speak Spanish at all but anyways uh, if you want to follow along with the trip I'm not too big into uh, Instagram but that's probably still the best spot uh, if you want to keep up with me there my username is n loper same as Twitter I swear I post like Two pictures a month, so I won't I won't be filling up your feed. Uh, maybe a little bit more while traveling, but it's hard to say. And uh, another note that I have is: did you, did you know you can leave me a voicemail to get featured on the show? Yes, at Sciencenation.com, you you'll see the little uh, speak pipe uh, widget on the right hand side. Stop on by, ask a question, and tell me what you're working on. I've had that thing up for a couple months, and nobody has used it. So it's like I either either we're gonna see if somebody <laughs> leaves me a message after this, or just gonna take it down because uh, nobody's gonna use it. It's cluttering up the space. Uh, looking forward to integrating some listener questions into the show. And so uh, and so, there's your chance. Uh, send me a recording, and uh, and we'll do it. All right, ready? Let's get into the show uh, with Jay. Hey, Jay, welcome to the Side Hustle Show.
1: Awesome. Glad to be here.
0: Everybody, Jay Massey is a real estate investor with more than 300 units under his control. He's completed hundreds of real estate transactions, and he's the author of Cash Flow Diary, 10 Steps to Creating Wealth in Any Economy. He's also the host of the Cash Flow Diary podcast at cashflowdiary.com. Jay, welcome, man. I'm uh, I'm excited for this conversation because it's been uh, it's probably about a year since we've done anything real estate related on the show. And I'm really interested in getting into this from the standpoint of you said, hey, when we were faced with some, some pretty serious challenges in our life and we were not starting out from a position of, hey, I've got a million dollars to invest. Where should I park it? <laughs> we were starting out in pretty much the complete opposite situation. So you want to walk me through that?
1: Sure, sure. Definitely wasn't a million dollars. It was barely one dollar, to be honest. (laughs) Um, For those who don't know, basically, um, what started, you know, necessity is the mother of invention at the end of the day. And my creativity was born from there. Uh, My wife, when she's pregnant, she has a condition known as hyperemesis. And many people have no clue what that is. It simply means that she could not eat or drink while pregnant. And One day to blow off steam, I was, you know, playing volleyball and I jumped and I landed on a guy's head after spiking the ball and I punctured my lung. I was born with asthma. So asthma plus pleurisy equals I can't walk and talk simultaneously without fainting. And we were quite the pair. That was the beginning (laughs) of the situation, you know, we started selling our personal possessions on eBay because, uh, that's, uh, that was the only option available to me. You can't exactly, I was a financial planner then, and it was pretty hard to say, Hey, let me do your financial plan. Can you come over to the hospital? That'd be a great place for us to meet. Mm-hmm. So I had to come up with alternative strategies. And the first one was, you know, going on eBay and selling anything in our closet then our friend's closet, then our garage and our friend's garage. And then eventually you just run out of stuff and you have to come up with something new. And it was around that time, a friend of mine said, "Hey, I got a solution for you." I'm like, "All right." I'm listening. And he said, "Yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, what is this going to be?" And he goes, "You should become a real estate investor." Now, you got to imagine my face at this particular moment because he knows everything that's going on. We have a credit score of 398. I did not I, reverse those numbers. I didn't even know if it went that low. <laughs> exactly. And most people don't. I had to find out personally, I guess. Uh and we didn't barely had $75 to put together. And I'm like, oh, I mean, it's one of those situations where you go, you know what, whatever, let's go find out. <laughs> uh-huh. It's not going to hurt. It's not going to bring us any less money. So let's go figure out what's going on. And it just turns out that he was right. I was like, wow, it was one of those rare moments in life where you don't let what you don't have stop you. And that's exactly what happened. I, 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 won't, I didn't let what we didn't have stop us. And because of that, uh, I ended up, starting out with a strategy known as wholesaling, did hundreds of those moved over to notes as well as apartment buildings. And now we have cell phone towers and commercial real estate. And we're working with some friends to build a resort and, and I've had to learn to raise capital from the beginning. Uh, So we've had the fortune of raising tens of millions of dollars and using those funds out there in the real estate world to be able to create, you know, a, a portfolio if you will. And the, the interesting thing is It all started when everything was falling apart for most people back in 08. And it's where I say things. I say two things that I want everybody to take away. Where there's chaos, there's cash flow. And secondly, you don't have a money problem. You have an idea problem.
0: Okay, I like that. Where there's, um,
1: (laughs) say those again, actually. (laughs) No problem. Where there's chaos, there's cash flow. And you don't have a money problem. You have an idea problem. I'll explain. I'll, I'll explain both of those. When the reason get the new person looking to get you're looking to get into a new industry, you're looking to get into something or start something on the side or what have you, what you should be looking for is a problem to solve. And where there are problems, there's usually chaos. You know, there's usually disorganization. Uh, like, for example, if your closet is disorganized, that is a form of a problem, and there are people who are closet organizers who solve that problem. Right. Right. So you're you need to be looking for problems. Now, the difference is that I was trained and taught by my mentors to look for big problems. They said, the bigger the problem, the bigger the solution. The bigger the solution, the greater the value. The greater the value, the bigger the paycheck. Simple. So I was looking for big problems, and living uh, arrangements is a big problem. Everybody needs a piece of real estate to live, work, play, or lay, and therefore you have a customer. So you just got to look for big problems, and then what I mean by the fact that nobody has a money problem, you have an idea problem. Uh, I'll take something as simple as a writing instrument, a pen, if you will. Uh, it's not; these are not new. But yet new ones come out all the time, especially around back to school. Right. (laughs) And when those new pens come out, uh, it's a new idea on the same on the same instrument. It's still ink on paper. okay? that hasn't changed. It's ink on paper. However, because it's a new twist on it, we go buy them and that solves someone else's money problem by All they did was repackage a new idea and sell it to us. And that's what we've that's what we must learn to do. And unfortunately, our educational system is not a it's not good at producing job makers, but it's excellent at producing job takers. And you have to learn to become that job maker, Uh, because I started with two hours a day, about 10 hours a week, uh, no nights and weekends. And with the consistent application, you can build something great.
0: Definitely. I think that two hours a day is probably feasible for most people listening. And let's let's talk about getting started in the in the wholesaling business. It's something sure. that we, we've covered on the show in the past, but it's been some time. And so it's worth worth revisiting the, the basic premise of this and maybe frame it in the you know, from the angle of what problem does it solve?
1: Absolutely. And that's the most important piece that people miss. They don't see how wholesaling solves a problem. Well, you've got to understand it's just like it, it solves the same problem, uh, to the ex- same extent that grocery stores do, you know, you and I, we like eating. We've gotten used to it over the, you know, our years. And r- today we don't have to go out to the and hunt the food ourselves and and then prepare it and, and cook it and eat it. We don't have to go hunt it. We do have to go somewhere to prepare it, cook it and eat it. We go pick it up at the grocery store, per se, and we bring it home. And we don't have to wonder, will there be food there? We know we can go get some, et cetera, et cetera. Wholesaling is very, very similar. You've got a number of real estate investors or investors of all types looking for streams of cash flow. And they have chosen that real estate is how they want to do it. The challenge is, is where do I go to get one? And oftentimes, yeah, you could go to a realtor and there's nothing wrong with working with realtors, but that's typically the retail market. And everyone is looking for a discount. Well, where's the discount broker? Where's the Costco for real estate? And that's what the wholesaler does. You go out there, you acquire your inventory, you let your buyers know, hey, this is what I have that's similar to what you said you wanted. And what ends up happening is just like at Costco, you may buy 10, 20, 30 houses at once, but then you sell them off individually. Everybody gets a discount through the chain and everybody gets what they want. The skill set is learning how to find the properties and how to find the people that want those properties and matching that up. Once you've got that down, you can go anywhere on the planet, literally, and be able to create a business. What's
0: the – if I want to get started in this, what's, what's my first step?
1: Well, the first step is always going to be a mental step. You've got to <laughs> you've always gotta think about value creation at the end of the day. We haven't been taught how to package our time in such a way that it creates value for anything other than an employer. And that's the challenge. That's the first piece. Once you get past that, then you're gonna need some technical training. In the skill sets of being able to put the properties under contract, locating the buyers, etc., and those are things that are you know easily available, like you know inside my book, or we actually produce a course on this particular topic. Um, but more importantly, a, a complimentary webinar for sixty minutes, you can learn some of those basics so that you can go out there and get started. The point is. It's learning how to repackage time, learning how to repackage your existing thoughts. And most people right now listening to my voice are within, I would say, one to two miles of a great deal. They just don't know how to recognize it. And that's the real challenge with uh, that I have with education is that it trains us to recognize opportunity. The problem is we've only been trained to recognize one type of opportunity. And now we have to relearn all over how to recognize different types of opportunities.
0: So we say I'm sitting within that one to two miles of a of a fantastic deal, and how do I how do I go about trying to sniff that out and, and becoming you putting it under contract as you say and becoming the um, you know the wholesaler on it?
1: Sure. The first thing that I've taught many people uh, across uh, <laughs> I guess across the world now, wow, crazy. Um, the is to ask the, the very same question of all people. You always ask, have you ever considered getting involved in real estate investing? And it sounds like, why would I ask people that? Because the person who responds to that question, and I mean it verbatim, the person who responds to that question is typically in one of three positions. Or Actually, it's kind of like one of four positions. Either they haven't considered it at all, or they have, but they don't have the knowledge, time, or money, or credit to be able to get inside the deal. And that's fine. And all you've got to do is uncover what's missing and become the agent uh, of connection, if you will, uh, that gives them the pieces that they're missing. So when you're going around, you know, asking people that question, that's one way of getting it done. Another way of doing it is to go around and and let people know that say, hey, and (laughs) I go through this at detail. So those who have heard me before, bear with me. It's hey, uh, hi, my name is Jay. I'm a wholesaler. What that means is, is that I buy property at a discount and I sell property at a discount. What type of investing are you looking to do when you go around letting people know that simple phrase right there? Hi, my name is I'm a wholesaler, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I just said, you go to your networking groups and oftentimes you will find in that same room the person looking to sell a house and the person looking to buy the very same house that someone is looking to sell. And you can go out there and begin to put those two pieces together and that's more or less what the wholesaler gets paid for for finding the deal and knowing the buyer who would buy that particular deal so that and typically you want to do that in you know 72 hours or less if you can
0: yeah i understand buying at a discount but why would somebody sell at a discount when they could just go directly to that to that buyer or why could why why aren't they selling
1: retail or whatever Well, there are many myriad of reasons why you're not selling retail. Now, don't get me wrong. Ninety five percent of the transactions are going to go retail through a realtor. That's not where the wholesaler makes his or her money. Uh, They make their money on the five percent that the realtor can't sell. Those are also classically known as problems. You're not looking (laughs) for the property that could sell retail because if they can go retail, that's the better choice for the seller right, right it's right. when they can't go retail it's when you when everything isn't working it's when your buyers can't get a loan it's when your property is broken it's when you've had a fire it's when you've got a troubled tenant it's when your bathroom is broken you are just tired of fixing that darn thing it's when the roof leaks it's when the hurricane comes it's when the earthquake happens it's when do you get my point yeah yeah yeah. you're looking for problems you know, it's, it's when, you know, grandma passes away. It's, it's when, you know, you split with your spouse. It's when all of those things happen that you often need the services of a, of a wholesaler. Uh, the, so the seller is going to sell because you're, they're trading equity for peace of mind. That's what they're getting. They have a problem and they want peace of mind. So to get rid of the problem, they'll sell at a discount. And obviously the buyer benefits from being able to buy at a discount for the same reason.
0: Yeah. And when we were first talking about this, uh, you know, on the episode last year, I was, you had some hesitation about this because it's like, are you are you kind of taking advantage of people's poor situations and, and stuff like that? And my, you know, eventually, and, and the guest, Nick uh, Ruiz, did a, did a really good job of kind of explaining, like, look, nobody's nobody's forcing their hand. Nobody's forcing them to make this deal that they don't want to make. And in fact, you're, you're helping them by getting rid of this pain. Like this has become right. such a burden on them that they're willing to walk for, they, they know they're, they're walking away for less than it's worth, but they just don't want to deal with it anymore. And, you know, just like you said, making them, you know, making the pen with the new packaging, it's just solving somebody's problem.
1: Correct. That, that's all we do is just the packages come and we've got to learn how to uh, problems come disguised as work. And that's part of the challenge is that most of us, uh, we've lost that touch to figure out how that's helpful, you know, and it, it's like when you go to the doctor and you're bleeding, you, well, you're bleeding. It, it's obviously a problem. You're not going, oh, my God, the doctor's taking advantage by bandaging my hand and making sure I don't bleed to death. No, he's solving the problem. The problem is, is you're bleeding. (laughs) And you could be bleeding emotionally, you can be bleeding financially, you can be bleeding in many different ways. And as a real estate investor, it just happens to be something that we are akin to looking at when it comes to, you know, bleeding as it relates to properties and understanding that. So, you know, stuff happens. No one, I didn't cause the problem in the first place. However, I am here if you want me to help you solve it.
0: Right, right, right. So uh, we'll, we'll link you up to all of the, um, you know, to the book and to all of the resources that you've got. Um, so are these, the, are these the signs you see on the side of the road, like we buy houses, cash, uh, you know, and then just a phone number? Like, is that how you're trying to find uh, properties, like proactively? Or, you know, what are some other ways to go and, and locate, these, locate these problem houses?
1: Yeah, that would be that would definitely be one way. It's not the way I like doing. I mean, I've done the roadside signs. Uh, I just didn't like going out there and exit to exit and punting them in the ground and Uh dealing with code enforcement and them calling me saying pick up your signs and all that stuff. Uh, So I learned to attract my buyers and sellers to me in different strategies and different ways other than what I shared before. Because you've got to remember when my wife and I were getting started we we didn't have money for marketing, so I had to learn how to network very well, and I had to learn how to if I I had to learn how to generate a, a referral as quickly as humanly possible from any and every interaction, because uh, naturally I'm an introvert and therefore talking to people was not my strength. Uh, however, when you know faced with staying comfortable versus eating. You can find new skill sets in a heartbeat, <laughs> and that's what happened. But I had to learn. I if I, I learned. It was like if I'm going to open my mouth, I'm going to I'm going to find a way to to leverage this into more and easier conversations. And I found that referrals was my uh, unique niche and way of creating that to happen. And then secondly, it comes down to he or she who educates the market dominates the market. Period. And so that's what we do, is I, I learn to educate the market. Now, one of the things that I've done or become known for is I've become known for facilitating Robert Kiyosaki's Cashflow 101 game. And I've had games as small as you know four or five people and as large as 180 people wow. at a time. And when you educate people in that way, often the very person you're looking to do business with is in the room, and if not, the person in the room knows the person that you are looking to do business with and that's what it comes down to is i would educate people uh through the cash flow game and either they would become my customer or the person they knew someone who was ripe to be the customer
0: yeah i'm with you on the on the education it seems like the people who are out there you know interested in attending a cash flow 101 game which is an awesome game by the way um, They're they seem to be more likely on the buyer side. They don't seem like they're going to be the type of people who have, uh, you know, problem houses. Like, again, uh, you kind of lay lay it on as how you're networking with the, you know, with the people who are under under stress or under eviction or whatever, like from their from their property.
1: Well, they may not have the bigger problems uh, per se, like, you know, fires and damage and those types of things. But just I'll take a simple problem that'll that'll often show up in a cash flow game. Someone has a job, but they're being relocated now that they're being relocated. They're moving, but they don't want to keep the house that they are currently living in. That's not it's not a, oh my God, I'm going to die if you don't solve this. But it's a problem, especially if, because this happens, uh, is when the job says, hey, you got to move, you got to be there in 30 days or less. Well, a lot of real estate transactions don't close in 30 days or less, unless you know someone who can help it close in 30 days or less. And oftentimes that can be a wholesaler. That doesn't mean it won't go retail again. 95% of the transactions, fine to go retail. We're not trying to take anything from the retail market that could go retail. I'm looking for those problems. Sometimes the problems uh, are, aren't that big, quote unquote, and maybe you don't get as much of a discount. But sometimes the problem is simply financing, and this has been very popular lately. Uh, as you look at across the marketplace, uh, financing for you know, units, say, below 100 units uh, on a parcel is relatively scarce. Uh, To be found. And that becomes an issue. It's not just not just the property's condition. It's if you don't have a buyer who can actually pay for it. I mean, how many people pay for their houses in cash? If you don't have a buyer who can pay for it and meaning having the capacity to pay for it through, you know, credit or credit lines, etc., that also becomes a problem. I mean, not even the realtor can necessarily solve that one until they start using additional strategies that many wholesalers use in order to be able to transact real estate in short periods of time. So we just have a number of additional tools that it just allows us to solve a lot of difficult problems.
0: Right. Well, uh, you lay lay some of us on us. We 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 haven't talked a lot of like actual tactics on how to locate these houses, which I imagine is is one of the first. You know, you got to find a buyer, of course. But, you know, being the, you know, being the connector, being the, the wholesaler, you know, still relies on having a, a steady stream of, of inventory coming into your uh, or at least coming across your your desk. And we haven't really uh, if I want to get started tomorrow, mm-hmm. I still am not clear on how I go about finding finding this deal.
1: OK, what here's what I'm going to do. I'm I'm going to flip it on you a little bit. Okay. Uh, many people want to find uh, buyers for houses, but I would rather people find houses for buyers. So I tend to go for your buyers first. It's very simple in my world. I want you to go out there and interview the marketplace. Go to a networking group, hold a cash flow game, and you're going to ask people, what type of investing are you looking to do? You're going to say, hi, my name is Jay. I'm a wholesaler. What that means is I uh, buy properties at a discount and I sell properties at a discount. What type of investing you're looking to do? As you go through that process that we teach, you'll end up with a, a, a general, a generic idea of what types of properties your buyers in that marketplace say they want. Then what's going to happen is you're going to find commonality when you have five people who want something very, very similar. Now you're going to begin to employ many different acquisition strategies to go out there and actually acquire the property. This is where lots of confusion lies, especially in real estate. There are acquisition strategies and there are disposition or selling strategies, and the two are not the same. They're used differently. So as a wholesaler, once you've got your buyers, you must become an expert at many different ways of acquiring your property. You can't rely on just one. Now, if we're talking about the acquisition strategy, that's one thing. If you're talking about a marketing strategy, that's also separate. So you've got to become good at marketing and you've got to be good at acquisitions. Both of those pieces must exist. So as we talk about acquisition strategies, some of the common acquisition strategies that most people know about are looking in probate. Uh, Or yeah, probate directories or short sales. Short sales is not a sale. It's a purchase. So and I don't know why they call them short sales because they take forever. But uh, short sales, uh, you've got probate, you've got pre foreclosure, you've got auctions, you've got REOs. Uh, There are many different ways of being able to acquire that property. Then you've got the marketing tactics and strategies. And now the marketing is pretty much the same as it can be, as you've always seen. Now, for me, my marketing started out with simply three, I think it was like five by eight cards that were flyers that told people uh, if they had a problem with their property or if they wanted to learn more about real estate investing, they could call an 800 number and hear a message and I'd call them back. And I would literally walk from 10 p.m. to 4 a.m. in the morning till I passed out 600 flyers. Then I'd go home, wait for the phone to ring, and I'd do it again the next night. So you, those are marketing strategies. Those marketing strategies can be as simple as what I just said and expensive is what I just said. But cash flow <laughs> is also a marketing strategy. I am marketing to, and when they come in, they bring their problems with them, be that a burnt up house or be that their situation, they got to move or be that they know their cousin is uh, about to inherit something and they don't know, they don't want the house. That's another popular one uh, is that uh, I'm inheriting a house and I don't want the house. I'd rather have the money. Okay, cool. Let's figure that out. So all of those things become marketing strategies that get you to talk to the individual. And then once you've got your marketing down, you end up in a situation where you must know the correct acquisition strategy as well as the correct acquisition tool in order to make that work. Does that make, is that clearer?
0: Uh, we're getting, we're getting clearer. So, so for example, you talked about a probate directory. I have no idea what that is. Walk
1: me through that. A probate directory is literally where you go in your uh, local jurisdiction and there's a, a record of all of the open people who have recently passed away that owned whatever they owned uh and in there you can look through that directory to figure out what it is uh that who has real estate because i know it's morbid and it's rough to think about yeah, but that
0: sounds a lot like uh, ambulance chasing
1: n- no but we can talk about ambulance chasing too cuz <laughs> i can show you i'll tell you how to remember you're looking for problems when someone passes away with assets or an estate that hasn't been properly handled it's going to be a problem you talk to anybody who's ever been through it it's a, it can be a problem and they need lots of help to go through that process. That's why, I, pro, I mean, a great place to network for this type of deal is going to be a, a probate or a probate attorney. So this is this is public information? Very.
0: Well, what's a, like? Is there a website or is there an example or a resource H- you can send us to?
1: Well, unfortunately, each county reserves the right to do it differently. Oh, so okay. you usually have to go down to the county uh, courthouse to figure out how they do it. Some of them, yes, are online, uh, and the ones that are online, you're going to find more competition than the ones that aren't, simply because people have to physically go to the building. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, okay. And then, so basically, there's a there's a, an actual list of here are all the people who's who have passed away who owned assets of some kind. And whatever those assets are, whatever that estate is that's being handled by probate, because they didn't plan for a trust, they didn't have a trust, they didn't dis- have it set to be disposed of in a certain way, it all is public and it all has to get processed. You, Any one of us listening to my voice right now can go through that list and look, part of the uh, settling of the estate has to be the transfer of assets, especially if there's a mortgage in play on a house where the person is now passed away.
0: Okay. So what do you do, what do you do exactly. with that information?
1: Well, you, uh, you work to phone uh, email or send a letter uh, to the uh, personal representative of the state and ask them if they're considering selling the house, which in most cases, yes, Okay. they're okay. considering selling the house. Okay, cool. Is that
0: listed well, in the directory or is that something you got to do a little sleuthing to find?
1: Uh, Most directories have their name, phone number and address, uh, or sorry, their name and address, but not their phone number. Tracking down their phone number can be something of a challenge. Um, But fortunately, uh, believe it or not, a lot of people are still listed in the white pages, (laughs) which is kind of funny. So you, you, you can begin to put it together to figure out, oh, this is the person I need to call. At the end of the day, they've got a problem in that they have to close the estate. Yeah, I, again, I didn't cause the problem. I'm just trying to be there to help. And yeah, it is, it's a little different sale. You've got to have the right disposition for it. You not, We're not looking for vultures here, people trying to take advantage of someone grieving, but that's the whole point. You don't file the probate petition until you're done with that process in most cases, which makes it easier uh, for you to go through that process. The point is, is one of the reasons I like probate is because it's, it's one of the best ways to guarantee that you are there first, when it comes to uh, having a shot at a problem because most people through that process are looking that uh, again, when you talk to someone who's been through this, they're like, I got this house and I don't know what to do. And then you call saying, Hey, I'd like to help you with the house. They're like, they're usually relieved, usually relieved, not always, (laughs) but usually relieved. And that, that becomes a, a great way of making that happen. Plus, Uh, Most realtors, not all, many realtors or retail, uh, the retail market is typically not very well receptive of the probate house because, you know, where grandma lives clearly has the pink shag carpet. Right. And and the wallpaper that's checkerboard money because (laughs) it it, it needs some work. And that becomes a problem. Uh, You know, you try to sell that to the new young couple. They're like, uh. No. <laughs> so it becomes a great opportunity for fix and flippers. And if you as the wholesaler are the one who's there, you have your, you know, bank of fix and flippers. You know what they like to purchase. If that house happens to be matched their criteria and you found it, you have it under contract. Now you have the opportunity to go out there and be able to, you know, make a few thousand dollars by providing the house in a very timely manner. That solves everybody's problems throughout the throughout the chain of events. So that's just one of many ways. That's and that's just one acquisition strategy. And some people focus on one acquisition strategy. My concern was always if I only had one supply chain, uh, what happens if that supply chain dries up? Now, yes, people are always going to be passing away. Um, however, I, I didn't. Want, I did. I personally didn't want to have to rely on that to build a business. So I developed skill sets when it comes to pre-foreclosure. This is when people get behind on their payments. This is, again, another problem uh, that you as a wholesaler can learn how to solve. Or when people are REOs, banks have taken back properties that went to auction, didn't sell. That becomes a problem. Now you're solving the problem for the bank. And you can approach the REO managers or they usually have – a a, a particular realtor that's assigned to their account that they like to deal with that handles all the reos at that particular bank that realtor is never shy about letting you know who he or she is and you can work with them to go out there and hopefully clean those up uh probably some of the crazier or contra um what contrarian strategies if you will that i've become known for is and and again, I've I've asked a lot of people to go do this because it's it's such a good idea. Um, you you go talk to a public adjuster, and a public adjuster is simply someone. I mean, many people understand what happens in an insurance claim, and in that the insurance company sends out an adjuster. Well, that insurance adjuster is on the insurance company's side. The public adjuster is on your side, and I've learned this many times. Is when you file an insurance claim it is up to you to tell the insurance company what you think the value of your claim is and as so long as you can prove and substantiate it that's what they're required to pay okay versus what most of us do is we let the insurance company say here's what we'll pay and then we just take it and move on now i'm not saying that the insurance companies are aren't are uh, going to to be fair but i'm saying they're not going to look at every the, the, it's not it, the onus, uh, the burden of proof is not on them. It's on us. And the public adjuster is the very person who's out there to, de, quote unquote, work in between you and uh, us, the insured and Wells Insurance Company, to make sure that our claims are adjusted properly. Like, Jay, what does this have to do with locating property? Well, when a public adjuster is involved, it's usually because of fire, flood, or, or some sort of really large damage. When that happens, that is usually the point. Not always, but usually the point when the landlord or property owner says, "I don't want to deal with this anymore." Okay, okay. And now the public adjuster is in a situation. They're like, and because what ends up happening is the public adjuster gets the question, "Hey, do you, from the person?" They're like, "Hey, do you know anybody who would want this thing?" And yeah, get it, get it off my hands. There you go. That, that's, and if you know, if you are the person who has the relationship with the public adjuster, guess, who's, guess who he or she is going to call? They're going to call you and you're going to be able to buy the property at a discount because it's going to be the it's going to be at its worst. You buy a business when it's performing at its worst. And when a building is still smoldering, that's called at its worst. Right. And that's what I'm talking about. You know, you've got to go out there look for problems. Don't look for the easy stuff. you
0: Just look for like public adjuster, Smith County or whatever.
1: Yeah, the public adjusters are usually governed by the Department of Insurance in each particular state. So those those guys are and gals are usually easier to find. Uh, So you can just look up public adjusters in that sense. And if you notice, a lot of my strategies relate to building a relationship with people. That's the thing I think many people miss. They want to plug it in some automated software and come up with, boom, here are the best deals in your area and you're totally going to get them. It just does not work that way. Right. It just doesn't work that way. And you've got to learn to develop relationships with people. So you introverts hearing me right now, you're gonna have to talk to people,
0: myself included.
1: (laughs) I understand. And trust me, if 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 it wasn't eat or, you know, if it was if if I didn't have to eat, I don't know that I would have pushed myself to do these things. I wouldn't have, in fact. I just wouldn't have. Because why? However, it became that important to where, you know, holding on to my previous identity wasn't going to feed myself or my family. So I had to become something different. I chose to become something different. And you can make those same choices, too, is all I'm saying.
0: Let's walk through real quick what the what the deal looks like. So you call somebody up sure. from the probrate directory. They say, "Hey, uh, you know, let's. I'd, li- I'd love to talk to you. When when can we meet? Or or what the deal is?". You go by. You look at the property. You say, "Holy crap, this is going to need some work." How do you, you evaluate that? And then how do you drop the contract? Obviously, we're not going to be able to cover this in you know as much detail <laughs> as we'd like to. No, not, we, not
1: at all. But can we kind
0: of go through the the high hard ones on this on this step sure, the sure. process?
1: Sure. Well, basically, what you're going to do is after you located the personal representative and got them on the phone, I prefer to get them on the phone. I don't like sending letters, waiting six weeks, wondering if they heard if they got the letter and opened it. I try to find the phone number if I can, because I want to talk to them. I want to get them on the phone, understand where they are in this process. So uh, and then typically it's just going to be, you know, hi, my name is Jay. Uh, I was in the areas looking for properties and I was kind of curious if the property at 123 Main Street was for sale. I was told that you're the one uh, I need to talk to about it. And then usually they're going to ask, yeah, it is for sale. Or they're going to say, you can hear it in their voice. They're like, you know, I hadn't thought about it, but I guess, yeah, we are looking to sell it. Because okay. that's usually how it goes. Okay, cool. Well, what I'd love to do is I would love to be able to schedule some time uh, to come over and just walk the property with you. And then at some point you figure out what it's going to take to be able to walk the property with them. Now, when you're there, you don't beat up the property. You find out about them. The property is the property. You don't go around picking apart the property saying, oh, ah, oh, and all those types of things. <laughs> okay, That is not going to build a positive relationship. Because remember, this is uh, this is Aunt Sally's house as far as they're concerned. Right, right, right. And if you're picking on the property, you might as well be saying Aunt Sally was, you know, no, no good and all this other stuff. Wrong move. Uh, So you find out about the situation. How soon do they need to actually get something done? What's actually causing them to need to sell? Do they need to sell? Are there other assets in the estate that allows them to actually sell those assets and keep the house? Because oftentimes keeping the house is a good idea. And I I will often offer that as an opportunity. Why are you selling? Why not keep it? Because keeping it makes sense to me because that's what I do. I'm looking to keep these things. Mm -hmm. And... People have their own reasons. You know, I just don't want to deal with landlording I know I could learn it, but I don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with people. And I don't want to deal with tenants and I don't want to get termites and, and all, all those things that people don't choose not to deal with. Fine. Uh, so and you're finding out all those things so that you know that you actually have a shot at being able to craft an offer. Like I my phrase is you craft a customized solution to meet their needs, not yours, their needs. Now, it's going to meet your needs just to buy the house. You just got to come up. With a customized solution. As you go through the processes that we teach you in our courses, et cetera, you end up at a point to where you're able to write an offer on any piece of real estate that you come into. And you're always going to write and give the person three options. This has been our most popular strategy. It's worked all across everywhere. It just works. So the first strategy is going to be some low cash, some low all cash offer, which sometimes they say, yeah, that's great. Um, The second one is going to be, or actually I'll go to the third one, so the first strategy is a low all cash offer. The third one is a one hundred percent seller financing creative acquisition offer with, uh, and that's it. And the one in the middle is actually a mix of the two. And you use various different tools from you know lease options to purchase money mortgages to you know land uh, land contracts, contracts for deed, uh, very for, uh, special forms of assignments, etc., in order to make. All of this work together to solve their needs because that's the interview process. You're trying to figure out what do they actually need right now in order to get this estate closed? How can I help them the fastest to get this so that they can move on? And there are many different tools that we have as wholesalers, as real estate investors that can facilitate that. And oftentimes they're just not the same tools that a realtor uses, which is fine. We're two completely different species, if you will, uh, and we just use different tools to get to the same result at the end of the day. And so long as you keep, you know, uh, give more in use value than you take in cash value, you'll be completely fine. Keep their needs in mind and center stage, and you'll be able to solve lots of problems for many people.
0: So what happens when they take this cash offer and you've got, like you said, $75 to your name and uh, you got to turn around and find somebody else to take that contract off your hands?
1: Correct. And that's why I say, I want you to find, um, find the buyers houses. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly why that, that, that was my approach. I want you to find the buyers first. I want you to find houses for buyers, not buyers for houses. When you find houses for buyers, you know who your buyers are already and what they will buy. You wouldn't have made it to the stage of looking at that particular probate property without already having in mind, ooh, I got to call Frank and I got to call Bob and I got to call Sue and I got to call. You, you would know that already. You would already have that in the back of your mind by the time you started walking the property because you were like, OK, cool. I understand what I'm doing and, and what they're looking for. And I think this property fits so that you could put yourself in the best position to actually execute so that that was my preferred way. Now, at the end of the day, does it really, really matter? No. It just depends on how much hustle you're going to do. You know, if, you, if you're going to find the house first, when they say yes, you better be prepared <laughs> to hustle and go out there and get that buyer in place because that's what it's going to come down to. Uh, but if you want to go the more conservative route or what I consider to be more conservative route, you're going to go out there and find the buyers first. And then the buyers are going to tell you because when they begin, when you get commonality amongst your buyers, it's going to begin to tell you what neighborhood you need to be looking in, it's what zip code. Does it need to be two-story or single-story? Does it uh, need to have what kind of square footage, what kind of lot size? You know, what are they looking to do with the house? Are they just looking to completely tear it down? Because that could be somebody's strategy. I'm looking. All they really want is the lot <laughs> right, right. so that they can tear it down and build something new. You need to know this ahead of time because that affects how you negotiate Uh, inside the transaction because you just don't you don't know what you don't know. And since you're not going to be the end buyer, you need to know as much about the person who is most likely to purchase as humanly possible so that you negotiate properly.
0: Is there a target um, spread or target profit margin that you look for just to give, give people a taste of what's possible in this game?
1: Um, th- th- I wouldn't say that there's a target because every marketplace is different you know if I'm looking in the Midwest and I make two thousand dollars on a deal that that it's I'm in the Midwest that's what's gonna happen okay. if I'm looking out in California or New York or somewhere and I make fifteen twenty thousand dollars on a deal well I'm in California New York that's just what's gonna the, happen
0: because the numbers are bigger so there's a bigger. Spread, right. Percentage wise. okay.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it, it it's more geographic than anything. And the same thing and the other thing to keep in mind is that this strategy, once you learned, it plays to every type of piece of real estate. You could wholesale land. You can wholesale a commercial building. You could wholesale a cell phone tower. Uh, you could wholesale an industrial building. Uh, you could do this in many different forms. That's why I say it's most like a grocery store. The grocery store just aggregates all the products for us to come and purchase at a retail level and they make the money in the middle. And it's the same thing. It's the only question is is when you build your store, what type of property, or most importantly, what type of customer are you going to choose to specialize in serving?
0: This is fascinating stuff, Jay. Thank you so much for, for joining me, everybody. Um, I, I know we we only scratch the surface of this. So if you're interested in uh, in more real estate stuff, you got to check Jay out at cashflowdiary.com. And I guess any other parting words? I guess I normally ask guests what their number one tip for for Side Hustle Nation would be to wrap things up.
1: Well, the most important thing is to once you get started, stay started. I know you're going to experience difficulty. I know you're going to wish you had more than two hours a day. I know you're going to want to put more of yourself into it, but take it one step at a time. You've got to move Yes. Learn to move at the speed of instruction. You want to go out there to begin to understand how to make these things happen. That's why many of our uh, introductory webinars are only 60 minutes so that you have the ability to go, Okay, I can do that. I can carve out 60 minutes and Uh make that happen. And you've got to stay focused on the, uh, the IGA's income generating activities so that your time is best used. And I know it can be done because that's exactly what we've done.
0: Awesome. Thanks so much, Jay. We'll, we'll link up to all the stuff in the show notes for everybody to uh, to come and discover more about the cash flow uh, diary and everything else that you've got going on over there. And um, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thank you. All right. Thanks.
0: And all my uh, notes and highlights from this week's episode with Jay Massey plus his top tips for getting started in real estate wholesaling or at sidehustlenation.com slash 79 or through the link in the episode description of your podcast player app. What do you think? Is this a viable side hustle, or, or not so much? Let me know in the comments, or better yet, leave me a voicemail through that SpeakPipe widget and uh, let it prove its uh, prove its worth there. Until next time, go out there and make something happen, and I'll see you next week in episode eighty. Hustle on! Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.